Welcome back to Pickles and Ramen. On today's episode, we are going to start off by talking about what we would tell younger versions of ourselves and what we would tell older versions of ourselves. Like advice, note to self, nuggets of wisdom, all of that. Yeah, it's just going to be a holly jolly good time down memory lane and a quick trip into the future. I love memory lane. Don't ya? It's holly jolly. It's holly jolly. What else can there be? Darkness. (laughs) (laughs) Which we love, by the way. Love a good rabbit hole for us. Yes. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get right into it. Who's going first? You are. Love that for me. Holy jolly. So advice I would tell my younger self would be that you won't always feel as lonely as you did. Um, I grew up a lot of the times feeling like I was alone, very much having to depend on myself and figure things out on my own. And um, I just never really had anyone that I could depend on. And so now as an adult, I still struggle with a lot of feelings of loneliness and being alone and just not being able to reach out for help when I need it. So, um, yeah, it's been a journey. Um, We're still trying to figure out who to turn to or how to turn to people so that we're not feeling so lonely. But we'll get there eventually. Yes, we will. Period. Okay, one of the things that I would tell my younger self is you are not responsible for others. I spent the majority of my childhood and young adult life, I'm still a young adult, P.S. Yes. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Just feeling, I I spent a lot of my life feeling like I was very responsible for other people. And to Mm -hmm. some extent, that still creeps up within me. So I think being released from that is a path to freedom for me. And learning to discern what's mine and what's not mine to carry. It is this intricate little dance that I do in life. And it can get a little messy, you know, but I think the only way I learn that is I get in there and I do the dance. Yeah. You know, stop being a wallflower. (laughs) Just get in there. I love doing the dance. Do a little two-step. A little two-step? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a little one-two-step. With a shimmy? And a shake. (laughs) Shake off that baggage that's not yours, girl. Shimmy past that. (laughs) We don't see it. We're just going to keep on keeping on. On the path to holy jolly we are. Righteousness, here we come. (laughs) Okay. So another thing is don't take yourself so seriously. Yes, that's a big one. Woof. Mm. Yeah. Talk about not taking yourself too seriously. When you're in a room full of people, everybody watching you, and you just make a mistake, and it's almost as if you don't know how to count. (laughs) 
Or maybe you do know how to count, but you counted down the wrong way. Yeah, so Alice and I, earlier tonight, um, we were in this rather large gathering. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people, and a podium, and a microphone, and we got asked to do a countdown. So we got up and did this countdown in front of these people, and utterly failed. No, we didn't fail. There was just a part of it where we got a little confused and the pressure of being in front of people. I don't know. We just, you know, had a little error. (laughs) (laughs) That several people in the audience pointed out and there wasn't really any room to run away. So we just kind of had to sit there and bite the bullet. Bite the bullet. I mean, lessons on just being imperfect and showing up to life. And Alice, you were talking about that the other day. What did you say? Just do it scared. Yes. My new life motto. Yeah, and why is that your life motto? What does that do? Because I'm driven by a hundred forms of fear. And if I were to listen to every single one of my fears and have it stop me from doing the things that I'm really afraid of, I would be stuck in this very dark and gloomy cycle. And, um... I think doing it scared helps me to realize that even though I'm scared, I don't have to stay in place, right? I can take the step, even though I may not necessarily know where my foot lands, um, as long as I'm doing it and I'm not staying in the same place that no longer serves me any purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Take the step, even when you're scared. Yeah, just do it scared. So much of life is just showing up despite the fear. Yeah. I once heard courage defined as having fear but doing it anyways. Right. Right? Yeah. Maybe that one was on to quote. It was along the lines of... It was along the lines. I think it was like courage isn't the absence of fear it's just it's like acting despite fear exactly yes you got it it was yeah 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 you just have to be courageous Mm -hmm. and it's interesting the the little things in life right because I think of courage or you think of a hero or you think of these you know big words that I assign very like grandiose meaning to and it's really the smaller things in life where I need the courage. It's like the day-to-day saying yes, showing up, not running away. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens in the small moments, really. I agree. Um, yeah, it takes courage to show up in those small moments. Intimacy, we heard somebody speak about today. Um, he said, into me you see. Right. And like that is the scariest place to be when all your walls are down, you're absolutely exposed emotionally, mentally. And it's just being seen in that light is terrifying because there's a lot of darkness that I personally don't want people to see. And if they see that, what's going to happen? Right? You just don't know. You just don't know. Right. And I think that's a, why a lot of people shy away from intimacy and vulnerability, even with friends and family, 
right? Like, think about it. I know a lot of my family members and my friends, like, we very rarely have those heavy moments of intimacy because I think either on my end for sure and maybe on their end too, like, it's just not something that they're used to, Mm -hmm. which is a huge disservice to everybody involved. Huge disservice because you don't truly get to know someone. And speaking on that topic of intimacy, I think it is rather important to really pay attention to who I allow into my life to truly see me. Who yeah. gets access to all of me in that way? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's not a place that everyone is invited or should be even invited. It's like a sacred space. Yeah. You know, so another part of this dance in life and this little two-step we do is uh, trying to figure out who's worthy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Are you worthy? <laughs> Are you worthy? Do you really matter to me this much to be seeing all my darkness? <laughs> Do you know who I am? It ain't cheap <laughs> to get to know me on that level. <laughs> Boy, the price I've paid. <laughs> <laughs> the price you'll pay. <laughs> right. Gosh. Why is that so difficult? Even like having discernment, right? How can we know? How can I know? Who's worthy enough to be led in like that? And it's really, I think, maybe through trial and error. And sometimes you have a discernment, right? Like, okay, I can trust this pe- this person. But sometimes that person lets you down. They do. And I want to start weaving in the topic of faith. I think this is a good interjection for that. Because honestly, like humans are just going to let us down all the yeah. time. Including me, you know, and I've had long-term relationships um, and friendships and, you know, relationships in general with family, with boyfriends, things like that, friends, and the reality is, is that people change, Mm -hmm. you know, so in one season, you might be a safe person, I might be a safe person, and in another season, not so much, you know, and so how do I stay, like, anchored true to myself and vulnerable enough to be intimate with others. Yeah. And I think that for me, it's important to not put like all my eggs in one basket Mm -hmm. to kind of spread that and be close with a handful of people and allow numerous people to see me. Even if it's only like three (laughs) All the numerous things. <laughs> you know? All the three. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I've done that before where it's like I've been in a relationship with a guy, you know, and got super close and, you know, he was my best friend and I felt like I didn't need anything or anyone else. That relationship pretty much fulfilled the, you know, marriage ideal the house ideal the kid ideal like all the boxes were kind of checked and I didn't really feel like I needed anything else and what that turned into was pretty unhealthy Hmm. and at the end of that relationship I just felt very isolated and alone and learned that like powerful lesson about not putting all your eggs in one basket Hmm. and it's 
I think a healthier lifestyle is to be authentically connected to more than one person, especially if it's a significant other. Yeah. I like that. But bringing back my topic of faith, I also think this is where we start talking about like faith in God, Mm -hmm. faith in a higher power. Those kinds of things, right? Because, like, if I am completely reliant upon humans and human power and consistently being let down, where where do I put that faith? Like, how do I deal with that disappointment? And how do I, like, stay connected to myself? Like, is there something greater than me? Am I just the end-all, be-all? Right. What do you think about that, Alice? I think those are a lot of great points that you brought up. Um, Yeah. I think in terms of faith, faith is tricky. Mm -hmm. Because faith, faith, I always say, feels expensive, right? Having faith means I have a lot to lose. um, Because you have to essentially put yourself out there to believe in this higher power. At least I think that I do. And I really, I don't know. Right, but that, so the opposite then, the counter argument to that is like faith is expensive. Let's just say faith in God for lack of a better word. Like if that's expensive, then faith in people is at least equally expensive or more expensive because you're guaranteed to be let down by people at some point or another. Which is why we put up our walls and go hide in a cave. And And that's very expensive, personally. (laughs) That comes at a very high cost. That's just separation. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. So then this other path of, like, faith in God, trust in a plan that I might not be able to fully see, Mm -hmm. but having hope... That doesn't seem as expensive as disappointment and separation. (laughs) True. (laughs) If you put it that way, I can see that. Either way, it's rough. It (laughs) is. It's like, choose your heart. Choose your heart. I love that. Yeah. Life is tough in every which direction, right? And I think I was talking earlier about this idea that there's always going to be trials and tribulation, whether or not you have this faith in this higher power. Mm-hmm. But the belief is that with this higher power, there's hope, even in the trials and tribulations, mm-hmm. right? So, okay. God, if you're out there, <laughs> hear our prayer. <laughs> Brought to you by Pickles and Ratman. <laughs> Holy jolly. Holy jolly and trudging our way through trying to figure out stuff. Trudging. All right. Another thing that you would tell yourself, your younger self. Do you have another? Oh, I have so many. Um... You're not a disappointment. Ooh. Ouch. That 
hurts. I was the, I am the oldest of five kids and I wasn't allowed to make mistakes. There wasn't any space for it. Um, and even if something that wasn't necessarily considered a mistake, maybe a misstep, it was on me. If my siblings misstepped, it was because I wasn't a good enough role model. Um, and living in that light, I guess, was really difficult because it's almost like you're afraid to breathe because you don't know. I guess at that time in my childhood or growing up, like I never knew what was necessarily expected because it was always changing. And even if I met a certain expectation, it still wasn't enough because it's like, well, now you have to meet these other expectations. And um, yeah, I just remember always getting in trouble for things that my siblings would do. And like, I followed the path, right? I followed all the rules and I still, I just, it wasn't enough. But then I have my siblings coming along and they're breaking all the rules and somehow it's still okay for them. Like they get a pass. Um, so yeah, it's very easy to start to feel like a disappointment when you're never getting the reassurance that when I was never getting the reassurance that I needed as a kid saying like, Hey, you're doing okay. Right. You're not as shitty as I'm saying that you are all the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I would tell my younger self that you're not a disappointment. That was really good. Do you want to give a little bit of like background on culturally where you come from and just kind of what, what that looks like a little bit? Cause I feel like that plays into this on some level yeah so I um my dad's Jordanian my mom's Hawaiian Samoan and I grew up in the Islamic faith um and for my household in particular um the eldest female child is supposed to take on this role I guess as a second mom at least that's how it was in my household I'm not speaking for everybody else's household who grew up in Islamic faith or whatnot. But for us, um, yeah, it was just a very controlling environment. Um, yeah. A lot of responsibility. Right. On, it sounds like women, especially oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I try not to hold any resentments or jealousy towards my siblings, right, because mm -hmm. I noticed growing up, I would get really upset at them, or, like, I would hold that against them because I'm like, well, I did all these things, right, and you didn't, but yet you still got to have this, I don't know, weird badge of honor mm -hmm. <laughs> that I had to work for but never could achieve right um and so it's easy for me to feel I don't know animosity towards my siblings sometimes um and I think especially with my sister right below me um we have a mm, five and a half almost six year age difference um and I think now we still butt heads a lot um and I think it's just a lot it has a lot to do with the way that we were brought up. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Do you feel like that ever... It's just such an interesting topic. I feel like the listeners would have questions, so I'm going to ask them. <laughs> love this for me. I love this for love you. being in the hot spot. Um, do you feel like that's propelled, like, a fire in you to show up to life now? Like, like you know what? Fuck your playbook. Like, we're going to play by mine. Yes, I think... It has, that's, how do I want to put this? That ignition started a while ago inside of me. I just never had the courage to actively take steps to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, And still that feels very terrifying. Um, And like one of the biggest things that I had done personally was to leave that faith. Um, and I, I, I want to get to a point where I don't have to feel like I'm hiding it away from the people that knew me once as a different faith. Um, you know, like I still have a lot of friends or a lot of acquaintances who, who knew me growing up as like this devout Muslim person who, you know, used to wear long sleeves and cover up, couldn't even wear clothes that would like show my collarbones, um, From the outside looking in, it seemed like I followed the religion well, but I didn't know anything. Like, I couldn't recite scriptures. I didn't know any prayers. Like, we were very much a family that followed the religion by name, right? We're just Muslim by name. Um, The way my dad implemented that in our household, I feel like he very much just kind of created his own version of the religion to use pieces that would, I guess, um, reinforce what he wanted mm-hmm. in his household. Um, so yeah, I think growing up that way has definitely made me want <laughs> to say fuck your rule books, <laughs> but it's very difficult to do that. Um, there's still a lot of times where I'm like, I don't know. It, it, there's just a lot of shame and guilt to leaving what you know. Mm-hmm. Because for many years, that's what I knew to be right. Yep. Like, that was, that was the path. And there was no other option. Um, but that was a lie, right? Because there's several options. Reminds me of that phrase, sometimes the devil you know seems better than the one you don't. Right. I feel like sometimes, you know, when you're transitioning out of a certain faith, it's like that's all you know, even if it's pain. Yeah. Or even relationships are transitioning out of anything in life, you know? This is what I know, even though I know it comes with pain and fear of the unknown is greater until it's not. Yeah. Until you've gotten in such a place of pain that... You're willing to take on the unknown. Yeah. And in your case, it's like taking on the unknown while simultaneously facing family. Yeah. Yeah, and feeling like you, you know, have to hide, but desperately not wanting to. Right. I think we talked earlier about, like, letting that version of ourself that no longer suffices where I'm going. 
mm-hmm. right? I can't keep holding on to those past beliefs if I'm trying to be this other person because there's something in me that wants to be elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Showing up to life. Like, this is who I am. Yeah. This is where I'm at. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not exactly sure. Right. I know maybe more about what I don't want than what I do. And that's okay. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. And we are fine if you leave it. Yeah. <laughs> totally fine. Okay, enough about me, though. Moving way too long in the hot seat. Right along. What about you? What's another thing you would tell your little self? I would tell my younger self that, um, you know, getting married or not, getting a degree or not, owning a home or not, all of those things do not define who I am as a person. Ouch. I feel like we are very much fed this storyline and this standard of, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm. And this is what's going to make you happy and allow you to fit in. And there's these certain things you have to do to achieve that. And so, you know, as a little girl, I, that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to get through school and get a degree and find a guy to marry and have a kid and buy a house and just kind of, you know, that was as far as I ever got for like dreams and things. I didn't. I didn't ever, like, dream beyond that. Like, this is what I want for me personally. Like, I want to find my passion in life. Or I want to be comfortable living in my own skin. Mm-hmm. Have, you know, healthy relationships where I'm supported and they're supported. And experience joy and community. And, you know... Owning a home or not owning a home has nothing to do with that kind of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. You know, having the degree or not having the degree has nothing to do with that kind of fulfillment. And so, you know, I stayed in relationships far past their expiration date, mm-hmm. striving for that ideal, and learned the lesson of the cost of holding on being too great. And, you know, tried to get through college. And what I found out about myself in that process was that, like, you know, school's just not for everyone. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have a degree to be successful. You don't have to have a degree to make good money. And I was just, in so many areas of my life, I was just desperately clinging on to, like, what I thought I was supposed to be doing And I continuously found that, like, it just wasn't fitting. You know, the relationship didn't fit. School didn't fit. Um, 
didn't have the money to buy a house. So if I look at it in that arena, it's like, well, I just don't fit in this world. You know, and that's kind of what I came down to. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I do fit. Like, these aren't actually the things that I really truly want, like, on a heart level. You know, what I actually really want is to, like, feel safe and feel heard and be understood and be able to, like, share love without fear. You know, and how do I, how do I get there? Yeah. That seems so much better than killing myself to get a degree and you know you can get the house and it can be lonelier than ever yeah I love that and I don't love the idea of just like I'm just gonna check the box because that's what everyone else is doing and that's what I should be doing too like maybe not you know we create our own paths around here to thy own self be true to thy own self be true Yeah, I still today am, like, a little bit pulled. You know, I've been single for two years. Mm. Um, Was in a relationship for ten years and then another one for six after that. And I am 35 years old, so I've spent the majority, I feel like, of my life in relationships. So, you know, being 35 and single and having a 12-year-old son, it has been, like, the best two years of my life, honestly. But I still do, like, get caught up in those moments of, will I ever, Hmm. you know? Yeah. Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to own a home? Am I ever going to, like, check any of those boxes? And when you see everyone around you kind of checking those boxes, Hmm. it's, like, I have to tap in and remind myself, like, what is the truth for me? What is, what am I really aiming at here? And I'm, I'm not saying, like, you know getting married and buying a house is bad because it's not it just doesn't define who I am whether it happens or not yeah that is true it doesn't define who you are whether it happens or not yeah I've just really I've sacrificed who like who I really am and like my authentic self to like really push towards that goal you know yeah when it really I don't even feel like it was ever my goal. It was just, like, some programming of, like, you know? Yeah, I've been there before. It's very relatable. Like, seeking and searching and grasping at all of these different things in hopes that, like, once I get this, maybe I'll feel a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll feel happy once I get that. But I feel like for me, going down those roads, um, same here, like, I'm 25 and I have a bunch of friends who are, like, graduating or getting married or having kids getting engaged um buying homes even like that and like I'm nowhere near any of those places but for me if I were to follow that path far enough like that still wouldn't provide me the contentment that I'm seeking Mm -hmm. um because it's not it's not materialistic for me right like I'm I'm in a space of searching for something more than that mm-hmm. yeah I think to counteract that is just learning to be content with where I'm at and with what I have and with myself mm-hmm. who I am as a person yeah. yeah 
it's easy to get lost in the, the chaos and expectations of the world when it's all you see around you, especially on social media. I mean, you can't avoid it. Um, but that's interesting because I remember growing up and being 10 years old and the expectation was always that like, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a wife. There wasn't really ever anything more than that. Um, and not just a wife, but a wife to a Muslim man. And I remember being 10 years old, having conversations about that with cousins and aunts, like it was like something natural, right? Like what kind of man are you going to want to marry at 10? Like, I don't freaking know what shoes I want to wear today, but you know what? I think I kind of want a man. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I feel like it was really delusional, but it was what I knew. And I just... I did it, right? Like, I I married the man, um, and everything just kind of turned to shit. And what was the biggest realization for me was that, again, like, life doesn't have to be the way that I thought it was. Because I very much was the person that was like, I don't see any other way. Life can't be any other way because this is it. This is the way. This is the way that I was told. This is how I was raised. And I didn't ever envision anything else for myself because it just was an impossible thing for me. Um, But yeah, all these years later, I'm realizing that I was very much wrong and that there is another way, several ways, several paths. Yeah, and that space in between. Right. And I relate to what you're saying in, like, in terms of leaving a relationship, Mm. right? You're leaving the Muslim faith. I have never practiced that faith, right? So, in in theory, I'm going to relate to you in leaving a relationship. Right. Um, That space in between where I realize there's another option. And I finally get the courage to walk away. There's a space there yeah. where there's there's a broken version of me mm-hmm. that is now alone without what I'm used to and unsure of what's ahead. Right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's why a lot of times women in like abusive relationships go back to the abuser because that space is so daunting daunting it's terrifying mm-hmm. it's painful it's it requires the courage to dig deep into who I am and what I want and stick to my guns when I have virtually no self-esteem left and have very little hope, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, how do I get through that space? And that time for everyone is is different, obviously. Mm -hmm. I just remember when I left my last relationship and luckily I had some family that was supportive But I still, you know, 32 years old, uh, a 10-year-old child, like, Mm -hmm. it just, and again, that's where those thoughts came back in of, like, 
I don't have the degree. I don't have the house. I don't have, you know what I mean? Like my mind would constantly tell me what I don't have or what I maybe don't amount to. Mm-hmm. So it just took like some soul searching and literal courage to just bear the darkness. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you experienced that same thing. Yes, <laughs> I have. Um, and that is a tough place to be um, because it's very much a road traveled alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like people can be there to provide support, but at the end of the day, like I'm going to bed with myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thoughts. And um, for me personally, in that space, um, I had moved back in with my parents and there wasn't any space for me to grieve this whole life that I lost and that this whole future that I envisioned, right? Because everything kind of just came crashing down. Um, and like very soon after that, I had to deal with my parents' divorce. Um, and so I just, I couldn't really feel what I needed to feel or I guess yeah, I'm just going to stick with that. Feel what I needed to feel when there were constantly eyes around me, watching me, waiting, right? Waiting to see what I'm going to do next, telling me how I should have handled things differently, telling me that I should go back to this relationship, saying things that people people aren't going to want to love you if you wait too long or if you get too old, you know, like you're never going to be married again. Um, very, like, really pushing in this belief that now I'm tainted, so I should just be discarded. Um, and like, that was, it was tough. I was very alone. Um, and I didn't really have anybody that I could confide in for those times, you know? Um, and honestly, like, even if I did, I don't think I would have just the kind of person that I was. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a tough place to be in. So not only did you, were you dealing with like the grief and decision of, you know, getting out of that marriage, but also going right back to the family environment where like you're not supported in your decision. They're actually kind of like layering more baggage on top of you. Yeah on top of that, not being able to cry in front of people, right? Um, because I was always surrounded by people and like I, I moved back home and like I shared a room with my siblings. So it's like I didn't have a space for myself where I could just cry when I needed to. Um, and if I was seen crying, it was like it already happened. Get over it, right? And I'm like, but I'm fucking broken. I'm like dying <laughs> inside. I don't know. Like, I've obviously never been through that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I've been through a lot, and I feel like pain is pain, but I just, I I needed to be my own support. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm not the best support for myself because <laughs> I'm very freaking mean to myself. But, I mean, it happened, and we, we trudged along. We are here, and we're holly jolly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and let's, so then let's lighten it up a bit, right? Like, let's talk about some of 
the lessons learned from those kinds of experiences mm. that are helpful. Yeah. Right? Because now it sounds like you have come out of that and you know now that you do need support and that it is important to invest in relationships and be vulnerable. Yeah. That is true. Um, I have come to the realization that I do need support and that it's okay to accept support in ways that I didn't necessarily think I would need it in. For instance, like I've always yearned for the support of my parents in ways that they were never able to give it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So accepting support from other people now as an adult is is a little iffy for me. Like that's why it kind of takes me a long time to... I don't know, warm up to people or allow them in that, in my life in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm learning that, that it is important to have a support system um, because at the end of the day, we all need that. Mm-hmm. And I'm no exception to that rule, no matter how much I want to try to tell myself that I am. <laughs> yeah, this recognition that I don't do the job effectively on my own. Mm. Even though my mind tells me sometimes it's safest yeah. to just feel them, right? But it's not. Mm. It's not. Especially being in an environment where people are telling you negative things like that. And then if you dare take on those belief systems or dare you know, accept that as truth, then I'm even more at a disadvantage of relying on myself yeah because how do I even know myself because I'm layered with all of these belief systems that have been you know pushed on me and in me like yeah it's a lot to unpack still figuring that part out (laughs) we're all just unpacking just unpacking the package (laughs) one of the one of the things that was great about me coming out on the other side of that space, right? That dark space where I'm broken and I'm picking up the pieces and putting myself back together, you know, obviously with the support system too, is really that I can do it, you know? And the removal of that relationship enabled me to build relationships and live this life where I'm free. Mm. I'm free to go where I want. I'm free to build relationships with who I want. I'm not confined in in a controlling relationship anymore. And so what I started doing is I started, you know, going out and hanging out with friends. And I, like, vividly remember um, that feeling of like, you know, like 10 o'clock at night would come around and I would start getting anxiety. Like that little feeling would come up like, oh, I better text or I better let, you know, somebody know kind mm-hmm. of thing. And like that, like, wait a minute, like I don't have anybody to answer to right now. Mm-hmm. Like I can just come and go as I please. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's been really nice. Um, and it's given me strength to show up in other relationships and like, lay down some like serious boundaries 
I've gotten so much clearer on like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable to me. And my level of, to the degree that I will put up with someone else's bullshit is like shortened. Yeah. You know, like I'm no longer too scared to maybe say the truth and hurt your feelings rather than me pay the price of your behavior. And that sounds like really direct, but it is, you know, and I played really small a lot of my life and I think it's important for me to like practice humility, you know, not come to the table in this very like overbearing way, but also come to the table honest. You know, and say the hard thing, do the hard thing, have the hard conversation, like be willing to walk away from something that does not serve my highest good. Hmm. So it's easier to say no, like I don't have to say yes to everything. Not a yes girl anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Anymore. You know? Yeah. We're not yes girls and we're living large. That's right. No more living small. One of the things that kind of came from that too is like at my job, Mm. you know, I was able to really focus on my career and worked really hard and kind of got into this position where, you know, we had some turnover at my job and it allowed me the opportunity to step in and really help in areas I maybe wouldn't have helped in otherwise. And it was actually a lot more work. You know, and I came to this place where I was willing to, like, ask my boss to meet me for lunch and, you know, ask for, like, a substantial raise. Yeah. And he gave it to me, you know. And then a year later, I had that same conversation. And, you know, the amount I was asking for in that conversation was, like, double what I asked for before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it was also, like, this combination, too, of, like, market value for the job I was doing and the amount of output I was doing and training and all these other things. I was basically in a leadership role and not getting paid for it. So I kind of just had the courage and enough self-esteem, right? Mm -hmm. Grounded enough in, like, who I am and the truth of the value that I bring to the table. So if I'm constantly surrounding myself with people that don't appreciate the value that I bring to the table and are actually telling me the opposite I don't think I would have the courage to like ask for what I feel like I deserve yeah you know so I think it's just so important like who we surround ourselves with Yeah, I believe that too. Just bringing it full circle. Right. <laughs> this is why support system system is a necess- necessity, I guess. Yeah, and just like being willing to let go and being willing to stand on my own, you know, in my own space and figure out, like, who I am. Yeah. I think that's great. You know? You know? You know things. Okay. So, are we done talking with our younger selves, or shall we delve in some more? 
Do we want to talk to our older selves? Uh, yes, older me. What do we have planned? <sighs> okay, so I do this really interesting thing. Hmm. When I am faced with, like, a decision that I maybe consider risky or that would be, like, outside of my comfort zone but maybe could be, like, fun mm-hmm. or bring some joy, but it's, like, scary, you know? I will ask myself this question. Would my 90-year-old self, like, and I imagine my 90-year-old self, like, of course, sitting in a rocking chair mm-hmm. on the porch of a house that is, like, a wraparound porch, of course. Of course. In this quiet meadow. Duh. I'm just sitting there with my crocheted blanket, mm-hmm. looking over the pond. Maybe a cup of coffee. A cup of coffee or tea. And I'm just reflecting on my life. And I'm thinking back on my life. And mm. so I ask myself the question of, like, would my 90-year-old self regret this or be proud of herself I for like doing that. that? And, like... My 90-year-old self was just a badass, you know? She's always like, do it. Fucking do it. Do that scary hard thing. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, like, really do draw courage from her. <laughs> <laughs> Your 90-year-old self seems like she's very serene in her little wraparound <laughs> But she's, she's serene, but, like, she's fiery. Yeah. You know? Does she drive a motorcycle? Like, I mean, I haven't, I haven't had any visions of that. Leather jackets. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she's just very like, she's wise, but she's got some fire. I love that. Yeah. Cheers to ninety, ninety-year-old you. Cheers to ninety-year-old me. Yeah. Sometimes I get in spaces where I'm like, hmm. Okay, I know I should do this because future me will be thankful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, how far into the future is that me? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, but what would I say to my older self? Okay, and it's like the preface of this, like, your older self, like, you could write yourself a letter or something, and, like, when you're, like, you know, how old? Like, 80 years old, you're opening the letter? Like, 60 years old? Like... Um, what's the age where people, or what's the age that's assumed that people have made it, I guess, when you're just like, I guess for you it's 90 years old, right? Oh my god, I don't feel like I've made it No, I mean, I'm sorry. I guess for you, it's been a really long time, and like 10% of the population lives to 90, so good luck, girl. No, I'm saying of all the ages you could have envisioned yourself, you envisioned yourself at 90. Well, end of life. (laughs) (laughs) I only have like another year to live after that. (laughs) I'm sorry, that came out wrong. Like at the end of a full life, you know? (laughs) Well, can 90-year-olds you still like... Do things? Yes. <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm still on dating sites at 90, okay? Okay. But are we <laughs> because going? Because we never accepted that marriage life. Okay, but are we going on the dates, though? At 90? <laughs> yes. They're coming to us. I've got Uber on deck. 
They go and get him. He can't drive. Can barely see. It's great. <laughs> we like to live life on the edge. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to die today. <laughs> but we're going on this date. We are. Well, then, shoot. I don't know. What age should we make this? Let's just go to, like, our our 50s. Okay. Like, 20... For you, that's, like, 25 years. That's a long time from now. Okay, well, for <laughs> me, it's kidding. 15, and it's not that long. <laughs> I'm kidding. All jokes. Okay, 50? Yeah, in Is your 50s. A, okay. We have to call upon the people who are 50s. Like, who are in their 50s. Is that a reflective time period for them? Is that, like, truly the time where they're, like, looking back at their life and thinking about all the things that they've done and all the situations they've overcame? And Maybe. I mean, I think it's just subjective to the person, but it's, like, retirement should be, like, right around the road. You know? <laughs> Retirement's, like, 65, so you better start thinking about okay. what you've done to get to where you're at. Right. Maybe we should be talking to our, like, 70-year-old selves. <laughs> Let's do that. Okay. 70-year-old me. Um, oh, okay. So are we doing, like, hopes? Like, what, we're, what we hope they're doing? Or? No. Maybe. We could. Like, it's interesting. It's easy to, like, go back, right? And be like, what would I tell my young? Self. Yeah, because you already know what you needed. Yeah, I feel like I'd want to tell my older self to, like, stay active. Hmm. Like, continue to live life. Mm-hmm. Continue. Like, don't die. Don't die. <laughs> You're not allowed. Like, like, it's never too late. I'd want to tell myself it's never too late because you never know what life's going to look like. Give myself some hope in case things don't work out. <laughs> Apologies in advance <laughs> to the elderly <laughs> that may or may not listen to this. No, this is for you. If you're 70 and you're struggling, <laughs> keep going and stay active. It's never too late. <laughs> yeah, really, though. It isn't. One time um, in one of my community college courses, um, there was like a 72-year-old guy who is getting his associate's degree. Yeah, I've heard of like 70-something-year-olds like still like running marathons. And yeah. They're in great shape and they don't even seem like they're 70. Right. Like 70 is the new 60. Perspective. Perspective. And, and genetics. And genetics and it's mindset though. And mindset. You know? Yeah. Like I'd want to tell my 70-year-old self to like take care of myself, like, spiritually, mentally, like, do the meditation, you know, say the prayer, like, continue to grow spiritually. Be a lifelong learner. Yeah. Stay new. Stay green. Stay teachable. Hmm. Stay teachable. I like that. Some great advice. Yeah. Just about all that off the top. What about you? Um, for me, my hopes for my older self would be that she is living life unapologetically herself Mm. just doing her thing 
and I don't, I don't want to say not caring, but not caring if other people or certain people are approving or not. I guess at that time, those certain people might not be around anymore, but mm. they considering go. I'm 70 <laughs> and all. But yeah, just being confident in herself, and I hope she can look back at her life and not see only the heaviness or the darkness, you know? And yeah. Just really get to that space where your past doesn't have to be in vain, right? And yeah. noticing and believing and understanding that her past has a purpose. Yep. And if I don't get that by the time I'm 70... <laughs> we gonna kick up some dust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Just throw me off in the cyclone cellar. <laughs> Just toss me off the bridge and call it a day. <laughs> Do it myself. <laughs> Don't need nobody. Don't need anything. <laughs> anything. Anything. <laughs> I got this. I got 70 years under my belt. How cool would it be if, like, in school, like, say you're in, like, second or third grade, and they, like, I don't actually, I don't know what grade exactly, maybe sixth grade, <laughs> seventh grade, right? You, like, write a letter to your, like, 30-year-old self. That would be so cool. So we could, like, have that to open at this age of, like, advice from your younger self or, like, right. what's going on now. So, like, right now, we could write letters yeah. to ourselves. Time capsule it. Time capsule it. But more of, like, a... I'm thinking of it more as, like, a, like a thank you to mm. self-letter. Like, thank you for, you know... Having the courage to X, Y, Z, you know. Yeah. To walk away from the Muslim faith and get right. that divorce. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know. Oh my gosh. Thank you for coming back to me. Thank you for coming back to me. <laughs> Cries. Yes. Yeah. Thank That's... you for letting go of the people, places, things, belief systems that, like, did not serve you. Yeah. Thank you for giving yourself the opportunity to heal and grow in the ways that you needed. Thank you for having the courage to sit in that very tough space between one thing and another. Love that. Thank you for getting up. Yeah. And trying again and again. Yeah. One of the things that I wrote down, like, what I would tell my younger self is, like, showing up as 80% of the battle. I like that. I think people say it's actually 50, but I just it's added an extra 30% because that just only that we leaves win. me another 20 to fill. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we do what we want around here. We have no one else's playbook Again, that we're playing by. Exactly. We make up our own percentages and do our own research. <laughs> Your playbook does not apply, sir. I love this. This this is great. Let's talk about aging real quick. Oh, my gosh. Because we're talking about 90 and 70 and seeing ourselves in that situation, but I feel like we very much live in a generation that is afraid of getting old. And, like, you see it all the time in the ads and um, just in personal care, right? The makeup industry is huge. 
Um, and I think, what a lonely time that must be mm-hmm. to be in a space where you know your body can no longer keep up in the way that it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, to be slower, you know, and maybe to have a really active mind, but you can't quite pull through for yourself in that way physically. That is, sounds terrifying. It terrifies me. Okay, well, this is where we talk about defining success. Hmm. And what does is, what is success look for, like for me? What does a successful life look like? What is, you know, because I think it matters less, hopefully. My hope mm-hmm. is that it's going to matter less when I'm 70 and wrinkly and slow and, you know, all those things that you mentioned. <laughs> now I'm not going to be able to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if I've lived a fulfilling life that includes... Me showing up as myself and telling the truth and having the courage to do the hard thing and experiencing fulfillment and joy and connection with others and community, right? Like if those, if that's a part of my life and I'm 70 years old, like, is it really going to matter that I have some wrinkles? Because I have so much more. Yeah. Right. Than what's, you know, looking back in the mirror. (laughs) And I know that sounds really cheesy, but I don't know. I think that if I'm at that place at that age worried about, you know, what I look like and my physical abilities, like, I missed missed the mark somewhere. Yeah. I took a left one and maybe needed to take a right, like, maybe. I think I meant it more in the way of... How do I want to say this? Or Like, it's that whole transitionary period. Mm-hmm. You get old, and then you die. <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's transition, that. Alice. No, but I mean, like, as you age, right, your body starts giving out. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about that phase of life where you're in a space of, like, not being able to do things on your own anymore, having to rely on other people because you can't see straight when you're driving, right? You know, like, that point where you're trying, where you're very much kind of like being a baby again. That's the elderly type of people I was talking about. Okay, the first thing that I think about is, like, assisted suicide. Mm. right like euthanasia why don't we get to decide when we die you know we get to decide so many things in life right but we don't get to decide when we die yeah I mean I guess you do if you you know want to go that route right but like ethically ethically why can't we yeah. That is a huge debate. Are you for or against? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, it's easy to answer that question for myself, but to accept it for somebody else when, because it's a selfish thing for me on my part, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want you 
to go ahead and do that assisted suicide because I still want you to live, <laughs> right? But I'm, I'm, I want to say I'm for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a very, like, I don't know what the criteria would be, right? What is the deciding factor? And who's the one that gets to call that shot? And who all is going to be involved? And how far off do you have to be to have that be an option? Mm-hmm. You know? Because that is tough. Yeah, and what are the parameters? I mean, how right. does one even... Because I know it's, it's legal in other countries, right? I think so, yeah. It'd be interesting to look up and see the parameters for that. And, like, how do you even, quote-unquote, qualify? Yeah. You know? You qualify for something like that. Because if I'm in a place where, you know, if I'm at a point where someone's helping me eat, they're helping me go to the bathroom, I'm just kind of existing in this Mm -hmm. room, I don't want to live like that. Yeah. Like, why can't I, you know, say goodbye to my loved ones and prepare them so they know? Mm-hmm. Instead of it being just this sudden thing that happens. Well, not so sudden, because obviously <laughs> if I'm at that they point. They saw it coming. You know? <laughs> uh, but also, it's like, let's get real and let's talk about it. Like, that is a burden on my family. It's a burden on my child hmm. to have to take care of, like, to require that much care. Yeah. You know? And is it actually an act of love for myself and for others mm-hmm. to relinquish me from suffering and them from the burden of having to watch me slowly wither away and die? And for them to take care of me. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would honestly rather just have a day, go peacefully, and, you know, move on. Yeah. Death is a part of life. Yeah. Why are we going to drag it out? Right. (laughs) Why why wait tomorrow what you can do today? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, like, so, like, my mom. I'm imagining, you know, you mentioned I'd okay it for myself, but not for other people. It would be harder. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to watch my mom suffer right. and slowly die and, and lose her dignity, hmm. you know, because somebody else has got to, like, wipe her ass. Stop. <laughs> Stop right there. I mean, I went there with it. But really, who wants to live like that? There are a lot of people out there. I think they all want to live in, like, some... a nursing home like this. <laughs> Just holding on for dear life, literally. <laughs> I think some cultures find that to be somewhat of a spiritual connection. Um, especially, I think, on cultures that are more... Uh, what's the word? Collective. Um, like, family-first oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, it Because it comes... It, comes off as more of a familial duty to take care of the elder in the way that they took care of you. Um, except when they took care of you, it was bringing you into life. And when you're take caring of, taking, wait, taking care of them, 
you're seeing them out. Right. Um, and that, that, though, is hard and is difficult. And, yeah, there's a lot of loss of dignity, maybe. Um, maybe. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I just think it's a... Yeah. I mean, and that can it's, still be a part of it. Right. You know, I'm not saying, like, you know, the day you come home with a cancer diagnosis, you're scheduling your euthanization, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. Right, I mean, right. like, you know, you don't have to suffer for the last six months to a year of your life kind of thing. What if it's gotten to a point, though, where, like, you've progressively gotten worse to a point where you didn't have time to verbalize that that's what you wanted, right? Because ethically, legally, I don't know, like, let's say this was a thing, right? You would probably have to be able to say for yourself that this is what I want. Because I don't think the other, uh, your family members would be able to have a say. No. So. Would be like, and then where do you get into the corrupt part about right. people just wanting to, like, you know, off their parents so they can get the money <laughs> kind of thing, like... <laughs> Give me the money. How do you, like, weed those ones out? Right. Okay, so I think that's the importance about just having your affairs in order. Like, even at our age. Yeah, I don't have affairs. Like, (laughs) do you have your will? Do you have your things set up? Like, you got to have all that set up. Far, far in advance, no matter what age you are. Right. You know, and I'm just, I don't have mine set up, but I will include in there. Now. (laughs) Now. (laughs) That if it's possible, I would like assisted suicide. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And is it actually called assisted suicide? Do they use that word, suicide? Or That's like, what I've heard it as. Okay. But I've also heard it as, like, the euthanasia process. Euthanasia. When you get euthanized. Well. And you die. Hmm. Assisted Passover. <laughs> Sounds so much better. <laughs> Assistance into the light. Or dark. <laughs> <laughs> or nothingness. Who knows? That's terrifying, though, to think about that because you're you're not a. You need so much help and support when you're a child, you know, and then having lived life and having that brain capacity and understanding of everything and being incapable. Yeah, sounds absolutely terrifying. Right. Lonely. Just put a freaking pillow over my head. Somebody. Push me off the cliff, please. I mean, no, not that. Pillow <laughs> over my head. Like, I don't want to rough and tumble and break a hip the way down. I'm afraid I hit my head hard enough on the first tumble that I just pass out. This got very dark. You're <laughs> just like we weren't laughing earlier when we're talking about what we tell our older, younger selves. But... Uh. Get us on the topic of, like, death, death and suffering, and we're like, oh, ha, ha. This is so funny. <laughs> we're awful. <laughs> I'm all for it, though. Honestly. Yeah. Why be here if you don't want to? Right. <laughs> exactly. And if you're in, like, you know, stable, sane, mental, you know. I cannot. Dang, that took a deep dive. That did. 
feel like we need to lighten it up a bit. How are we going to lighten this up? I feel like there's no coming back from this. It's just who we are sometimes at, you know, it's 11.30 at night on a Saturday, and it's just who this, we be. This just fit for us tonight. It fit. We've got yeah. a, we have a lot to unpack, guys, and trust us when we say that when joy comes across in our life, we'll be sure to share it. <laughs> yeah. Until then, it's TBD. TBD. You're unpacking with us. <laughs> we don't know what we're unpacking. <laughs> don't know what you're going to get until you get it. That's right. So are we lightening that up or are we just, just going to end there? I mean, you said it. There's just no coming back from it. I mean, obviously we're laughing about it, so it's, it's not that dark. Yeah. It can't be dark if it's funny. If it's funny. Okay, maybe it wasn't funny. <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> okay. Imagining you 90 years old, tumbling down the cliffs, Stop. hoping you hit your head first. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm imagining you, like, being suffocated with a pillow. <laughs> like, what? You're just like, ah. No, I won't even fight it. You would have, I feel like you would have to fight it. There's just no way. No. The person holding the pillow over my head is just going to feel so weird. I'm like, this is awkward. She's not even doing anything. Is she dead? Like, have my palms up. Stop. No. Delusion. Just hold the thumbs up. More pressure. Keep doing it until my hands fall. You could do better. When you don't see the thumbs up anymore, you'll know. <laughs> if it slowly dwindles down, <laughs> you know I've passed. You know, yeah. <laughs> I've gone. <laughs> I've gone to the other side. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I choose my destiny, <laughs> goddammit. Suffocate myself if I do. I just don't believe it. You don't? <laughs> I don't believe that you wouldn't fight. <laughs> really? You think I want to come back? No, like, wait a minute, I, I have second guesses. I, I really want Nurse <laughs> Becky to continue to wipe my ass. <laughs> I just think... <laughs> A real quality life to live here. I haven't let go of my hopes and dreams. The fear of suffocating would probably make you push the pillow away. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I might have a little twitch or two. (laughs) A little. You know, a little involuntary, you know, movement. I don't know. Hopefully whoever does that can just bring me a couple, like, Xanax bars or something. I can just be passed out. Sedate me first. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, there's definitely no coming back from this. No. No, No. there's not. No. So. Anyways. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in and unpacking all of this with us. 